Kia ora, fit like, and welcome into the Fourth and Forever podcast. Stuart Bothwell here, riding solo once again, as Darren is currently in transit back to Blighty for a much-needed family visit, slash piss-up, slash trip to see his favourite player at Wembley. For the uninitiated, I mean Kirk Cousins. Oh yes, Darren likes that! That was... Oh man, this is really a struggle just doing this on my own. It's hard to banter with yourself. You have to have a really particular kind of ego to be able to do that. And I'm just not quite there. I know I'm sometimes quite full of myself, but not to that extent. Anyway, I have been absolutely slammed of late. So our apologies for being a little tardy on the recording again. If anyone would like this to happen on time every week, then please do reach out with a boatload of money and I can leave my current job in order to do my dream job, which is bring you guys any sort of really weak and pointless analysis because it's all stuff that you already know because you're smart. Yeah, that's you. So, last week's podcast. That happened. Lots of little... Thoughtful pauses and such. I think it generally went over pretty well. Well, about as well as an inner monologue uh, could go over the airwaves, that is. So hopefully you can just stick with me long enough to welcome back Darren or even Mr. Steve Bothwell to the fray again so I don't have to sit here and just speak into the abyss for all eternity. Anyway, coming up on today's Stream of Consciousness, we will fire through the results from week one, including some upsets, some injuries, and a game that looked like it was played at sea, really, in Chicago. Um, Once we're through that, we'll dive into attempting to console the concerned and look forward to uh, a little of what week two has to offer in the form of the Thursday night slobber knocker between the Chiefs and the Chargers at Arrowhead Stadium. Okay, so... Right into it. Um, Bills versus Rams. Week one, game one. Thursday night football last week. So as I mentioned in the podcast uh, the other week, um, I thought that the Rams might win this one on the basis of the matchup and their receivers with the cornerbacks on the outside. Um, But I did also mention that the Buffalo pass rush would really need to get after it. And they did, to the tune of seven sacks and what seemed like a million pressures on Matt Stafford, who just could not relax at any point during the game. Josh Allen picked up where he left off in the playoffs and looked sharp despite a couple of picks that, for the most part, weren't really his fault. 31-10, the final score in a drubbing for the Rams. Uh, The Falcons had this one in the bag before the Saints pulled out 16 points in the fourth quarter to pull off a 27-26 win over a Falcons side that did look competitive for three quarters. Marcus Mariota was predominantly slinging dimes and running quite well, but yet they just couldn't hold off in the final quarter. Still, something to build on for the Falcons, who people were totally writing off beforehand. So, interesting watch the space sort of set up. Browns at the Panthers and Baker Mayfield's revenge story started off slow, I mean really slow in the first quarter, but really picked things up in the second half, leading them down the field on a number of occasions before taking the lead with 1 minute 14 remaining thanks to uh, a field goal 
Um, Cade York then came out, though, and nailed a 58-yard field goal for the win in his NFL debut as the Browns nick it back at the death. 26-24, the final score. Now, snow games are fun, uh, but rain games are stupid. And the Bears clearly had the better water wings on against the 49ers in an absolutely sodden soldier field. Uh, Chicago didn't exactly look great, but they managed to uh, sufficiently stifle the San Francisco 49ers into submission and walk away with one of the biggest upsets of the week, 1910. But honestly, throw this one out. It doesn't mean anything because it was just so wet. It was a swimming pool. Uh, in one of the crazier games of the week, amongst which there was many, uh, the Steelers were well ahead of the Bengals till the fourth quarter uh, after Joe Burrow just throwing picks and sack fumbles all over the place. Uh, but Joe Burrow did manage to pull it back and find Jamar Chase at the pylon as time expired to tie the game at 20 apiece. Now, due to injury to the long snapper, the snap was a little off, and the extra point was no good. To overtime we went and a series of missed kicks all over the place due to that long snapper, due to other pressure, just, oh, it was horrendous. Uh, before eventually Chris Boswell decided, I'll just finish this one and found his shooting boots and took the Steelers home with the 23-20 win. Now Najee Harris had a wee injury issue. Uh, which is worth monitoring, but it's TJ Watt who will be out for at least six weeks with a torn pec, which is an injury which can have people out for a lot longer, including an entire season, if possible. Uh, the Lions welcomed the Eagles to Ford Field and a, a pretty incredible game ensued. Uh, the Eagles seemed well in control of the game, but uh, they let a gritty Detroit Lions side back in. The Eagles' ground game, especially near the goal line, was excellent, but it was A.J. Brown who was coming up with a number of crucial catches in his debut, absolutely shredding the Lions secondary for about 165 yards plus, just dragging Lions defenders with him, bending them to his will. 38-35 was the final score, though, so certainly not all doom and gloom for the Lions. Even in a loss, they still managed to look competitive. But, of course... They need to step that up. Oh boy, two teams really did not want to win a game. The Texans blew a 17-point fourth-quarter lead as the Colts ran their way back into contention to force overtime. Uh, Lovey Smith lost his faith in the offense and effectively settled for a tie when he punted on fourth and three on the 50. Oof, Colts and Texans tied at 20. Ouch, that's a sore one. Uh, the Dolphins, on the other hand, uh, they had some cojones, if you speak to Tyreek Hill. Uh, they sealed a victory, uh, going for a gutsy fourth down conversion, which went to Jalen Waddle for a touchdown to put the game out of reach at 20-7. Now, nothing too spectacular from the, from the Dolphins against a Pats defense that is looking pretty patchy these days, uh, but they'll take a win over them any day. Now, let's keep an eye on that Mac Jones back injury if you're all at all involved in fantasy or, for whatever reason, are a scummy Patriots fan. Sorry, I, that's not very good uh, journalistic integrity right there. Uh, 27, the final score. Another year, another underwhelming Joe Flacco performance. This time in the Joe Flacco revenge game. Well, it was about what you'd expect anyway. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens were in control of the Jets for their 24-9 victory, but it was hardly all their own way, looking a little bit vulnerable at times. 
this, the main concern probably is more injuries on the offensive line. Uh, and what is even the point in bringing in Jawan James these days? Eesh. So yes, 24-9 to nine the final score there. The Jets will be hoping that Zach Wilson can be coming back soon because what's the point in having Joe Flacco these days? Uh, the Jags pushed themselves out into the lead against the Commanders and looked decent as they did it. But when it came to sealing the deal, they shot themselves in the foot again. Travon Walker flashed, but you need more than that. Uh, the team looks as if they have improved, certainly, but it's just hard to rid yourself of a losing culture. Now, Carson Wentz, on the other hand, he played as he so often does. Some great play in there, interspersed with moments of complete and utter insanity. But still, his four touchdowns help his team come out on top 28-22. And keep an eye on Jahan Dotson this season, because he good. If I told you that in the Giants and Titans game, one team was run all over for around 160 yards and a touchdown by a dominant super athlete, you'd be thinking, ah, so Derrick Henry went off, did he? Alas, no. It was Saquon Barkley who dominated this game as the Giants snatched it at the death 21-20 in a very gutsy performance from the G-Men, going for two points to win it all rather than push for overtime. That took some cojones. Well done, Brian Dable. And well done, the Giants, on a, one of the surprises of the week. Uh, no Tyreek Hill, no problem for the Chiefs as they routed the Cardinals 44 points to 21. And it seemed like a lot more than that. Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdowns in a near-perfect Mahomesian day where there was underarm flip passes, deep balls over the top. The Cardinals just looked mystified as they ignored the too-high rulebook that has been put in place for Patrick Mahomes since last season and for whatever reason thought that Isaiah Simmons could cover Travis Kelsey all game. Wrong. You deserve to lose. Move on. And I challenge you to watch any Chargers game Oh, sorry, did I mention the score? Yeah, 44 21. Uh, I challenge you to watch any Chargers game and not be awed by Justin Herbert's passing. It just hits different, man. Even when losing Keenan Allen to injury, he is dropping dimes to the likes of DeAndre Carter. Uh, the Raiders reconnected Derek Carr and Devontae Adams to great effect on the outside, but perhaps the rest of the team suffered a little in a very middling performance. Uh, the Chargers pull out looking pretty good at 24 19 over the Raiders. Uh, definitely felt like a lot more than that as well. Now, my concerns about the Packers receiving core were very much in evidence at the weekend, even from the first play as Rodgers dropped it right in the bucket for Christian Watson, who dropped a potential 64-yard touchdown on the first play of the game. Ouch. On the other side, Justin Jefferson really showed them how it's done with a 180-yard, two-touchdown effort in an imperfect Vikings win. 23-7, the final score. Uh, if one team should be pressing the panic button early in the season, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Three points on the board in the opener and your franchise quarterback goes down with a hand injury that will keep him out until at least week six. And even then, that sounds like that might be rushing things. That sounds like a recipe for disaster to me. Now, Tom Brady and company moved the ball pretty well, but just didn't put all that many points on the board against a tough Dallas defense. Uh, a nice little return from uh, the likes of Julio Jones in this one. Check out his big diving catch. Bucks 19, Cowboys 3. 
And Russell Wilson's return to Seattle on Monday Night Football, it was mixed emotions as the Seattle Seahawks stunned the Broncos 17-16 in what can only be described as a weird one. Uh, the Broncos moved the ball seemingly at will to the tune of nearly 500 yards, but just couldn't punch it in. Two fumbles inside the 10-yard line ultimately killed them in this one, changing an easy win into a concerning loss. Now, Geno Smith put together an excellent performance uh, on his side of the ball as he commanded his offense to 22 for 28. Sorry, 28 for 22? No, how does he say that again? He completed 22 passes out of 28 for around 195 yards and two touchdowns. It was more of the same for the Broncos at the end of the game as clock management and poor decisions left them attempting a 64-yard field goal for the win rather than just attempting to go for it on first down. The Broncos will rue this one, but hey, it's only week one. Alrighty, so it is only week one. People like to talk about panic as soon as possible, though, especially in the NFL. So who's the most worried right now? And can I offer you some sort of solace and comfort? I will try. Make no promises. But hey, don't worry. Everything will be alright in the end. Especially if you end up with the first overall pick. Because there's some good guys out there next year. Don't worry, it's fine. The season just might be over. I'm doing a terrible job right now. Anyway, let's start with my guys, the Denver Broncos. So, it's week one. You're just installing a new head coach, new coordinators, new quarterback, completely new system. And it's mostly worked. Broncos did play well. And they moved the ball well. And the defense was still really good. So, although this may not be the 2013 Broncos offense just yet, that some people were expecting, it's very early days. Like There's there's a long way to go in this one here. And, yeah, crazy stuff happens in week one. Like, fumbles right down at the goal line. Oh, man. Killer. Absolute killer. Anyone worried about the Rams? Mm, nah, not yet. 49ers, well, that was just a ludicrous weather game, so let's give them an easy pass on that and just say that we'll reassess the likes of Trey Lance next week. The Cardinals, however, oofed. They just looked completely lost on Sunday against the Chiefs. Now, I don't know what the game plan was, um, but I think that the Cards will already be feeling pretty desperate. Honestly, if you want to console yourselves, just remember that the Chiefs, they are really good. So you've got the Raiders, Rams, and Panthers the next three weeks. So you've still got a shot against the, each of those teams, really. But you really do have to step up to the plate and sort out that defensive game plan. That was atrocious last week. But you're not going to play the Chiefs every week, like I said. But if they don't do so well over those few weeks, then Cliff Kingsbury could be gone before Newt Hopkins is back from suspension. So yeah, maybe not quite so much solace to take there. I think that you have a right to be concerned. But again, just remember, it was just the Chiefs. It was just the Chiefs. It was the Chiefs. Chiefs are difficult. It's hard. I understand. So let's see how you go in week two. The Packers. Man. I know it's only week one. But at this point, it does really reek of the I told you so's. That wide receiving core is really not good. 
Maybe I should put a yet on the end of that. I'm not sure. Perhaps they just need some time. And if anything is going to give you time, it's the defense, which is mostly solid. Although the cornerbacks really had their hands full with Justin Jefferson the other night. So, But that was Justin Jefferson. He's not someone you're going to play every week. Just twice, a, just twice a year for the Packers. So the Packers started poorly last year as well. This is me giving you your solace. You were crap last year to begin with. You got absolutely trounced by the Saints. They've done it again this year. Could just be the week one yips. Just something that's in the Packers' DNA. Now the schedule, pretty soft over the next six weeks or so with the likes of the Jets, Giants and Bears to contend with. So that's your opportunity. There's your solace. Go ahead and take it. The Cowboys, as I mentioned in the recap. I don't think I can comfort you all that much. Your your offense was already looking a little worrisome before Dak went down. Even C.D. Lamb wasn't producing. I think he only had what, two catches on something like ten targets. Yeah, That's not, not good for a guy who's supposed to be your number one wide receiver these days. But now Dak is out at least six games, with Jerry Jones saying that he's not going to be put on IR because they want him back as soon as possible, which I've heard things like that going south before. So by the time he's back, there is a chance that the division and the playoffs will be almost out of reach. Now, if anyone can save you, there's a sliver of light in the form of one of the best defenses in the NFL. Man, Micah Parsons is just a monster, man. Game wrecker. And I've not been his biggest fan, uh, but Trevon Diggs looked really good in week one. So he seems to calm down a little bit, not biting to give up big plays or anything. Maybe that's going to be to his detriment uh, in some people's eyes because he's not going to go for these big interceptions and stuff but he can, he can be a good cornerback and he doesn't need to get picks all the time just sit on people and don't get burned for over a thousand yards in a season so hold on to that defensive hope Cowboys fans maybe, just maybe Cooper Rush can win you a couple of games and keep you in this thing that's as much as I can promise you and I'm sorry. But hey, it's only week one, guys. Lots more football still to play. Including on Thursday Night Football, and it's a doozy this week, as the Chargers and Chiefs, which maybe feels a little early in the season to be busting out the big guns, but it's a great matchup. So what are we looking for here? Well, with the Chiefs on offense, you've got them spreading the ball around nicely. Maybe Mahomes is even doing a bit better at this now that you can't just chuck it up to Tyreek Hill whenever he fancies. He wasn't sacked once last week, despite the Cardinals blitzing very heavily. The Chargers' pass rush was very successful against the Raiders last week with Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack and the boys getting Carr to the ground six times and hurrying him a hell of a lot more. So it'll be interesting to see if they really focus on that pass rush from a power and numbers perspective or if they just try to get creative and hide the blitz a little bit more because Patrick Mahomes can still pick you apart 
if you if you bring too many guys, you've got to do it right. So as was the story of last season, two deep safeties were the way to contain the Chiefs, and the Cardinals just threw that rule book out and they paid for it in a big way. So the Chargers need to have a bit more savvy than that. And if JC Jackson is back and is fit for this one, then that would be huge. But it's the Derwin James versus Travis Kelsey matchup that I am just salivating for. James is probably one of only two to three people in the league, I would say, who have a shot at covering Travis Kelsey, even in his age 31 season, 32 season. I'm not sure. But yeah, I really want to see that. Derwin James is just a supreme athlete and one of the best players in the NFL when he's healthy. And uh, being a Broncos fan, I hate it. But man, he good. Now, Kansas City's running game was efficient last week and remains an underrated aspect of this Chiefs attack. Isaiah Pacheco looked every bit as advertised. And the Fresh Prince of El Air, that's Clyde Edwards, El Air, for the uninitiated, didn't look too bad either, getting a touchdown of his own. The Chargers' struggles against the run last season were legendary as they focused solely on stopping the pass and just invited the run all the time. So they weren't exactly vastly improved against the Raiders as Josh Jacobs had a decent day under the circumstances of being behind. So this will be a real test for the Chargers, I think. I think that the Chiefs will still try to run it a bit because if the Chargers are just giving it up, then why not take it? On the flip side, the Los Angeles run game wasn't all that effective last week, but they didn't need to be as Justin Herbert was super efficient. Tearing the Raiders a new one, uh, even with a depleted receiving core. The addition of Gerald Everett at tight end has already provided dividends in the form of a handy week one performance. Now there's a chance that Keenan Allen might not make it back in time for week two, so Herbert will likely have to spread it around as he did through the remainder of week one. Keep an eye out for Mike Williams in this one, as this kind of feels like he's going to have to show up. Uh, So he may end up being the focus. Now, with Chris Jones looking dominant in the middle and the likes of George Karlaftis already looking good, that Chiefs front looks a bit rejuvenated from last season. Uh, They were able to sack a mobile Kyler Murray three times with another six hits last week. Now, the Chargers' offensive line looks pretty good. Um, Rashawn Slater's Pro Bowl caliber in particular. They managed to keep Herbert clean all last week against a Raiders line with uh, both Chandler Jones and... Uh, Cros- what's Crosby's first name again? Oh, Mason Crosby. No. Oh, man. That's annoying. <laughs> what's Crosby's first name? Oh. Oh, that's completely escaping me. My, 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 no. Oh, okay. Right. Hold on. Max Crosby. Oh, duh. Oh, that, that's going to come back to haunt me. Uh, yeah, they were the headliners, of course. So, Lajarius Sneed looked great last week. He'll be hoping to cut off supply to the likes of DeAndre Carter and the aforementioned Mike Williams. Juan Thornhill will be slotting in at safety in that Tyron Matthew role, hoping to keep an eye on the deep and the tight end. So, I'll be expecting to see a bit of Austin Eckler maybe bounce to the outside a few times just to avoid Chris Jones. Whether or not that succeeds remains to be seen. So, as the Chiefs are at home and looking great, particularly on their 
their offensive line, and they're spreading the ball about well. I'm going to give them the edge here and say it'll be a good one. Classic 33-27 in the end to the Chiefs. Speaking of in the end, this has certainly gone on long enough. So thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. I really hope to get someone else in on this sometime soon. As it's way more fun to do with someone else. Like, oh man. I love talking about the game, but just literally talking to my own screen and my phone kind of sucks. Never thought I'd say this. I miss Darren. Oh. Anyway, take care and enjoy week two of the NFL. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs>